Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, amka na unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to the final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with... And Musa and Tabiso Lohoko. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africans wake up to the news of a ban on the sale of and distribution of alcohol as the country scales up the fight against the coronavirus. Malawi's new cabinet given five months to perform or face the chop. And in economics news, the public uproar over increased electricity costs has not deterred Botswana's power corporation from pressing ahead with raising electricity costs. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Musa. South Africa has introduced new restrictions, including another ban on alcohol sales to help contain the spread of coronavirus. A nighttime curfew has been imposed and the wearing of masks outdoors is now compulsory. President Cyril Ramaphosa said the alcohol ban South Africa's second this year would take pressure of the national health care system. It comes as total infections exceed a quarter of a million. Deaths resulting from coronavirus have also risen to more than 4,000 and government projections estimate this could rise to 50,000 by the end of the year. President Ramaphosa says that the nationwide curfew coupled with a ban on the sale of alcohol will free up much-needed trauma and ICU care facilities across the country. We've now decided that the sale, the dispensing and the distribution of alcohol will be suspended with immediate effect. There is... Now, clear evidence that the resumption of alcohol sales has resulted in substantial pressure being put on hospitals, including trauma and ICU units. Most of these and other trauma occur at night. Therefore, as an additional measure to reduce the pressure on hospitals, a curfew will be put in place Mali's President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita has offered further concessions to the growing opposition movement. In a televised address on Saturday, he announced the dissolution of the Constitutional Court in an attempt to calm the unrest that saw four people killed. Two of the leaders of the opposition coalition were detained by the security forces and the organization's officers were ransacked. But Prime Minister Babo Sisse has suggested that a new government of national unity could be formed. Il est dans son intention et dans la mienne de très rapidement mettre en place un exécutif. It's our intention to quickly put in place a streamlined government to quickly restore order in our country and reflect on the challenges we face. And that will once again be with all of our country's vital forces. Botswana wildlife officials investigating hundreds of unexplained elephant deaths have verified six more carcasses. They say it's still not clear what is killing the animals. Around two months after the first bodies were spotted, officials near the Okavango Delta on Thursday said that they had verified 281 carcasses. They say the deaths are concentrated in an area of 8,000 square kilometers that is home to about 18,000 elephants. The government has contacted neighbors Zimbabwe Angola, Namibia and Zambia, but they have not seen similar elephant deaths. Africa's overall elephant population is declining due to poaching. However, Botswana, home to almost a third of the continent's elephants, has seen numbers grow from 80,000 in the late 1990s. Former U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller has strongly defended his investigation into ties between Russia and the 2016 Trump presidential election campaign. His comments come in the wake of President Donald Trump's decision to commute the prison sentence of his former adviser Roger Stone for his role in the matter. The BBC's Julian Bedford reports. Mueller always insisted his report should speak for itself. 
but his silence has allowed other narratives to develop, the most prominent of which has been the witch-hunt conspiracy that Donald Trump relentlessly sells. Without naming the president, Mr Mueller has defended the inquiry, which he says exposed the threat to American democracy. It detailed what Russia thought it would be gaining by leaking material to the Trump campaign and the expectations of those who received the stolen data. As for Roger Stone, Mr Mueller says he remains a convicted felon. And finally, in sports news, Jermaine Blackwood made a superb 95 as the West Indies beat England by four wickets in the first test at Southampton. The West Indies, who set 200 to win on the last day, were ruling at, were reeling rather at 27 for three after England fast bowler Jofra Archer's early double strike. Blackwood, however, held firm until in sight of just his second test century. He drove England stand-in captain Ben Stokes to James Anderson at mid-off with the visitors needing just 11 more runs to win. John Campbell, forced to retire hurt on one after being struck on the toe by Archer, returned to hit the winning runs. West Indies captain Jason Holder, the world's top-ranked test all-rounder, ahead of Stokes, was 14 not out. The match was a personal and tactical triumph for Holder, who took a test best of 6 for 42 in England's lowly first innings, 204 after Stokes leading the side in the absence of Joe Root, won the toss and batted. The second of the three tests will begin on the 16th of July. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, and it is 7.07 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Our South Africa's President Sil Ramaphosa has announced a number of measures to stem the surge of the COVID-19 infections across the country, which now stand at over 276,000. Ramaphosa addressed the nation from the union buildings in Pretoria last night. The restrictions include a reintroduction of a night curfew from tonight, suspension of alcohol sales, mandatory wearing of facial masks and restricted occupancy of long-distance taxis. The measures have been met with mixed reaction by political parties, as Busi Chimombe reports. President Cyril Ramaphosa has declared it a crime to walk around without a face mask, saying employers, shop owners and managers, as well as public transport operators, are now legally obliged to ensure that anyone entering their premises or vehicle must be wearing a mask. A nationwide curfew has also been reimposed. A curfew will be put in place between the hours of 9 p.m. and 4 a.m. Apart from people who need to travel to and from work or who need to seek urgent medical or other assistance during this time, everyone will be required to remain at home. Family visits and social events are still prohibited and alcohol will no longer be for sale. We've now decided that the sale, the dispensing and the distribution of alcohol will be suspended with immediate effect. There is... Now, clear evidence that the resumption of alcohol sales has resulted in substantial pressure being put on hospitals, including trauma and ICU units, due to motor vehicle accidents, violence, as well as related trauma that are alcohol-induced. These are the latest taxi regulations. Taxis undertaking long trips will have to adhere to a 70% occupancy. But those who are undertaking local trips will be permitted to increase their capacity to 100%. And this will be on condition that new risk mitigation protocols related to masks, vehicle sanitation and open windows are followed. Political parties have reacted differently to the announcements. 
ANC spokesperson Pulemabe. We need to all stand together, support the efforts of government so that we can defeat this pandemic. We must support the work of the National Coronavirus Command Council and what the president has pronounced today. And I do not think that these are punitive measures meant to frustrate South Africans. DA leader John Steenhazen calling the restrictions a distraction from the real issue of government's incompetence. Why, after one of the hardest and longest lockdowns in the world, is our health system still not prepared to meet the crisis? Why do we still need the field hospitals? Why do we still need oxygen cylinders? Why do we still not have proper beds that can uh, take in patients? And that's a question that we really should be asking this evening. It's not good enough for the president to blame South Africans. His government had a long lockdown, and what we should have been preparing for was for the spark that we knew was coming. Peter Krunefeld of the Freedom Front Plus. So what steps are going to be taken to enforce these regulations? I mean, the president actually admitted tonight that there is a problem in the enforcing of the restrictions. IFP spokesperson Nkuleko Llengwa to urge deeper dialogue between government and taxi operators. The fact that we are now going to allow 100% occupancy in taxis for short distances grinds me against the grain of physical distancing. If you've been in a taxi, you know exactly um, what that is. And so there has to be a new dialogue between government and the taxi industry to be able to rationalize with each other about the seriousness of um, this uh, pandemic. And we are calling on the taxi industry to and government to come back to the table and discuss the EFF says it will react later in a statement to the president's announcement. That report by Busi Chimombe. The late regent Queen Noloiso Sandile of Amakakabe has been hailed as a champion of community development in rural areas and women in traditional leadership. Queen Noloiso, born Nomusa Zulu and sister to King Goodwill Zuelitini, was hailed as a unifier of the Amakosa kingdom. She was laid to rest on Sunday at a gravesite near the Mgresha Great Place outside King. Williamstown in the Eastern Cape. Luandile Mbulali was there and filed the following report. Anoloiso. The smile in her face and the face in her smile. The demeanor in her dignity and the dignity in her demeanor. The compassion in her conduct and the conduct in her compassion. The brilliance in her brains. And the the body of Queen Noloiso Sandile arrived in the early hours of the morning. The corpse was taken to the grave site after a short ritual was conducted outside the palace. A number of speakers took to the podium to pay tribute to the late queen. Prince Jongukolo Sandile described his mother as a humble and caring person. Crying together and fighting through the tight, the toughest situations together. That alone made me and my sister inseparable. And we will forever love you. And one thing I know that my sister knows as well is that you are one strict woman. I've never come across someone so humble. Mineral Resource Minister Gwe Demandashe described the death of Queen Noloiso Sandile as a great loss. Mandashe delivered the eulogy on behalf of President Cyril Ramaphosa. And I wish to thank the royal family for excusing her condition. At a time when so many of our people live in fear and uncertainty, but to break any stigma that exists around coronavirus. Uh, so that the ill and the vulnerable can be cared for, loved and supported. Coronavirus is a very real threat to us all, but becoming infected with this respiratory disease is not to be ashamed of, nor is it any reason to discriminate, to discriminate against others. Prince Chongukolo Sandile will take his place as king of the Amakakabe nation. Family spokesperson Prince Kantistau says the 28-year-old Jongukolo is now ready to lead the Amakakabe nation. We requested the late queen 
to act as the Queen Regent, which she did until her last day. After that, we met as the family and took a decision that Chongutolo uh, should take uh, the baton. There's no need for us to wait or maybe ask for someone to act again. John Kolo is now close to his 30s and we're of the view that he's ready to lead and we will be there to support him. Chaperson of the National House of Traditional Leaders, Chief Sipo Matangu, has urged the Amakakabe royal family to continue the good work by Queen Noloiso Sandile and fight for the jural recognition of the kingdom. And most importantly, the royal family have suffered a great loss. Her Majesty passed on while still fighting the battle started by the late King Makobak Eyakaoleza Sandin for the jure recognition of Amakakabe as a kingship. I urge Amakakabe not to give up but to continue to fight to ensure the de facto status of Amakakabe is recognized legally. Her Majesty Anoloiso became one of the pioneers for the establishment of the Kings and Queens Forum, a structure recognized in terms of law to promote unity, sharing of good practices, and learning from each other. Women in traditional leadership have suffered a great loss as a champion empowerment of women. The family has been praised for revealing that the Queen succumbed to COVID-19 related illnesses. Randy Lembulali is a great place in King Graham's town. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. This may be a disease that is caused by a virus, but it is spread by human conduct and human behavior. We've now decided that the sale, the dispensing, and the distribution of alcohol will be suspended with immediate effect. There is now clear evidence that the resumption of alcohol sales has resulted in substantial pressure being put on hospitals, including trauma and ICU units due to motor vehicle accidents, violence, as well as related trauma that are alcohol-induced. Channel Africa. WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int. At 7.18 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Malawi's new cabinet has been given five months to perform or face the chop. New leader Lazarus Chakwera directed and said this when he presided over the swearing-in ceremony of his announced cabinet last week after he was inaugurated at a military event in Lilongwe. George Mango reports from Blantai. The appointed 31-member cabinet has notable people such as MCB Sidik Mia and his wife, UTM's Michael Wosi and founder of Zodiac TV and radio stations, Gospel Kazako. In his cabinet, Chakwira has also included Roy Kajali, who is a son to former president Joyce Banda and the vocal human rights fighter Timothy Tambo. University of Malawi political analyst Ernest Tindwa said the choice of the cabinet is not what was expected by the public. The quality within the instructed cabinet seemed to be lacking. Yes, most of them they are unknown quantities, untested, but generally there isn't much sparkle in the cabinet uh, that worry most Malawians. Perhaps understandably so. These are political parties uh, whose financing is dependent on the uh, well wishes within and outside the party. So perhaps there is pressure to accommodate as many as they can who might have uh, helped finance the party campaign. That's why maybe the recruitment catchment area seem to be limited. Some members of the public think this is just a payback cabinet, especially to those who fought for Tonsi Alliance victory on the June 23rd fresh election. If any member
Rwanda or any cabinet minister who has been appointed fails to deliver, Malawians will decide what to do next. But anyway, let's trust our leaders. We hope they're going to perform. My judgment uh, on the cabinet will be based on how they're going to be executing their, their job. If they're not going to be doing uh, what we expected them to do, then I'm going to, to have an issue with that. But in the meantime, I do feel that uh, we could give these people a chance to do their job and then judge them based on what they, uh, they have been doing. Let's give them a benefit of doubt. Uh, if uh, they've chosen this cabinet and then they believe that these are the people that will help us get to the destination that they want us to be, then I believe we should just support them. On the other hand, a governance expert, Victor Chipofia Jr., said some being professionals of their positions. In my opinion, a very well-balanced uh, cabinet in the sense that uh, they've been able to balance um, members of the Tonsi Alliance because uh, the former president, Joyce Banda, submitted their names, uh, the vice president submitted their names, the likes of Kumbo Kajale submitted their own names to be nominated as cabinet minister. So it was well balanced in that sense. It's also well balanced that the party vice presidents uh, have been put in positions uh, of, of ministerial, minister, they've been given ministerial positions. And there's also good representation of women. 40% is a good uh, representation. Uh, there, there's regional balance. We see ministers coming from different regions across the country. And we also see the inclusion of technocrats, uh, the likes of um, the Titus Nvalo and Mluso. Um, President Chakwera has also appointed George Kainja as the new Inspector General of the Malawi Police Service and is to be deputized by Demis Tachigwenembe, while John Beswick is the new Commissioner General of the Malawi Revenue Authority, whereas Wilson Banda is the new Governor of the Reserve Bank of Malawi. Chakwera has also been blamed for roping in the entire Mia family, comprising Abida, Sidik Mia, Arik Hazin, Halima Dawdi, claiming this will paint a bad image of his presidency. The list of those being close relations is endless. Many of them are related to the Kamuzubanda family, the first president of Malawi, George Mohango Chano Africa Blantai. The first weekly Provincial Command Council briefing has been delivered without the Premier of South Africa's economic province of Gauteng, David Makura, who tested positive for the coronavirus on Friday. The PCC updated the public on the preparedness of the province and its capacity in handling the coronavirus. Gauteng is now the epicenter of the pandemic with 87,033 confirmed cases of the 250,687 confirmed nationally. Public workers have been part of the worst affected. Out of 172,000 public servants in Gauteng, 2,630 have tested positive since March, including public health healthcare workers and educators. The PCC also confirmed that younger patients were testing positive for the virus while some of them live with HIV. Zolega Kotashe reports. The work to ensure that Gauteng flattens the curve in the province is far from over. The province has passed the 80,000 mark for the number of coronavirus infections, translating to 34% of the total cases in the country, while recording over 47% in recoveries. However, the province accounts for almost 50% of all active cases in the country, but the Provincial Command Council says it takes solace in the fact that most active cases are not in healthcare facilities and showing mild symptoms. Johannesburg records the most of these active cases, with the districts Soweto, Dorongop, Dobsonville and Proteglen recording the highest number of confirmed cases at 8,327, as well as the highest active cases at 4,709. How the MEC in the province, Bandile Masoko, explains. Johannesburg is still one of the ones that is leading and it has also has got an increased number of recoveries and the increased number of active cases. What we take solace on is the number that is continuously increasing of recoveries. Johannesburg still remains our big problem, but we are uh, actually getting there in terms of uh, consolidating and uh, making sure that people are actually recovering. Eguruleni, Sidibeng and Tswane have got some few sub-districts that have got uh, fewer cases, 
but Johannesburg and uh, Eguruleni and Swane, they, they actually have the bulk of the active cases. And these are areas that surround mainly the townships and the areas that surround the inner city, the CBD, both in Swane, in Eguruleni and actually Johannesburg. With the number of infections rising exponentially, the department also has to ensure that there is adequate equipment for the influx of patients. In both public and private institutions, the province has a total of 8,301 beds available. The department is also looking to provide a further 600 beds at George Mukari Hospital, 800 at Chris Hani Baraguanath, and 175 at Ashanti Gold Hospital by the end of July. This while simultaneously providing more beds at field hospitals to ensure that patients who are no longer critical can be accommodated in them whilst continuing to isolate, Masuku explains. Work is already happening in Nazrek to put up beds that are hospital beds that will have capacity for oxygen, IV treatments and also be manned and actually be run by health professionals. But our plan with field hospitals is to make sure that all the patients that are stable from our hospitals will be stepped down to these facilities. They will help us to decongest our main hospitals where critical patients will be seen. 120 beds are already almost complete by today and the other 300 will be done by the 17th. But by the time we get to the 31st of July, we'll already be having almost 700 beds which will be in function. Masuko has refuted claims that the province has prepared mass grave sites for people who may succumb to COVID-19. Earlier this week, Masuko visited one of the sites as part of the department's preparedness plan, emphasizing that the aim is to save lives. There are no mass graves that are being dug up in Gauteng. There is no grave that is being dug up currently. There is no tender to dig up graves in Gauteng. The issue that was done was to check the capacity because part of the response plan that we have to the pandemic includes the part that we have to assess and plan the capacity of our grave sites. So what has occurred, it is not about digging, it's not about tenders, there is no grave site that is being dug. Meanwhile, the first week of the reopening for the second cohort of learners, of the over 2,000 public schools that were reopened, 105 were forced to close due to coronavirus infections, while some were closed after disruptions from those opposing the reopening of schools. And as the number of teachers and learners testing positive for the virus grows, so too do the fears of some parents, with some opting not to take their children to school. Education MEC in the province, Banyaz Ali Sufi, described the attendance as poor. The grade R is the lowest, actually, poor in terms of our standards. The average attendance stands at 36%. At grade 6, uh, it's stands at 62%. And at grade 11, it's just over 71%. In terms of teacher attendance, it's exactly the same. We can see at grade R, teacher attendance is around 73%. Masoko also says the backlog that they have experienced has been cleared, but the results contributing to the rapid rise in the confirmed number of infections. I'm Zole Gakodashim in Johannesburg. It's 7.28 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa with breaking news that uh, later President Nelson Mandela's daughter, Zinzi Mandela, has died. We will have uh, more updates with regards to her passing uh, with more details as the day continues in other shows. The National Coronavirus Command Council has decided to enforce a nationwide lockdown. A global pandemic, COVID-19. Several countries have scaled up their responses and put in place strict controls, including South Africa. Channel Africa Broadcasting from South Africa will continue to bring you news and current affairs during this period whereby a 21-day lockdown is effective. We will keep you updated and informed during this period as we bring you news and current affairs from an African perspective. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Musan. The headline, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has warned South Africans that emerging signs seems to indicate that the coronavirus may be airborne. Mali's President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita has offered further concessions to the growing opposition movement and Botswana wildlife officials investigating hundreds of unexplained elephant deaths have verified six more carcasses. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you. And over the past seven days, South Africa's coastal province of Guazun-Natal has recorded over 9,000 new COVID-19 cases. This was revealed by Premier Sithe Zigalala in his weekly update on the pandemic. Zigalala has urged people to refrain from attending gatherings. Nungululego Klope reports. As the number of COVID-19 cases continues to rise, the Guazunatal Premier Sitle Zigalala says in one week, 98 people died of COVID-19-related illnesses, while 9,767 new cases were recorded. He also revealed that the province has 873 COVID-19 cases in schools. However, Zigalala says there has been no COVID-19 transmissions on school premises. In most- schools, the grade 6 and 11 have now also returned to school smoothly. We continue to monitor the infection rate at schools like we do in all other sectors. To date, we have 873 cases in KZN schools involving teachers, learners, staff such as gardeners, ground people and other officials. It is important to note that at this stage, there is no infection that has been, contami- that has been contaminated from the school. Zigalala also lambasted recent protests at various health facilities in the province. He says the province have enough personal protective equipment at healthcare institutions. There, has been a, there hasn't been a, a shortage of PPEs for months now. We are doing everything in line with the guidelines from the World Health Organization uh, to ensure that PPEs and all necessary material is provided. Similarly, when it comes to deep cleaning of facilities, we have not diverted. We are doing this uh, by the book. We follow the prescript and the regulations. With regard to screening and testing, we have tested and screened over 7 million people in KwaZulu-Natal. Zigalala cautioned people to stop having house parties and other large gatherings. We are going to be strict as the command council. We're not going to allow funerals to be attended by many people without preserving the regulations. We're not going to accept ceremonies such as weddings, parties, events and all of that. No. Even ourselves, we have cautioned against that and we are saying meetings should be scaled down. And if people are meeting, let them meet uh, virtually. We are going to be enforcing, but we will follow the line from the national. Zigalala has condemned an incident where attackers opened fire on a taxi with rifles at Inanda, north of Teben. One person was killed and five others were injured. I'm Nungulegotlope in Teben. The coronavirus pandemic has had a devastating impact on many industries and has now also taken its toll on the treatment of blood disorders and stem cell transplantations worldwide, putting thousands of lives at risk. The South African Bone Marrow Registry, the largest registry in the country, says they too have seen a drop in local donor registrations since the start of the pandemic. Jane Ward, head of donor services at the South African Bone Marrow Registry elaborates. Well, you see, normally what we do is we generally do um, donor drives where we will go to universities or companies and um, sign up donors that way. But because of obviously COVID-19 and all the restrictions, we now don't do any donor drives and we're solely focusing on online recruitment. So we want to drive 
an online platform to recruit. Mm. new way of recruiting. Mm. Let, let's talk about the importance of this registry, Jane, and, and what kind of diseases um, the blood st- uh, stem cell transplants help to treat. Okay, so um, I'll just give you a brief background. Mm-hmm. Um, the South African Bone Marrow Registry was established in... It was motivated by the concern that although were a life-saving treatment option, they were the only avail- they was only available for patients with matching donors in their family. Today, the SABMR searches both locally and internationally for donors. So, if you you are you have a thirty percent chance of finding a match with in your own uh, family. Um, patients don't find a match within their family and rely on matched, unrelated registries such as the South African Bone Marrow Registry. Um, ethnicity plays a major role in a successful blood stem cell transplant, and it is important for us to all everybody to register as the chance of finding a match for any person is mm. Jane, are you still there? Yes, I am. I think we were struggling a bit with, with the line there. I'm going to give you a moment to just um, sort yourself out. Uh, for those who are listening, we are speaking to Jane Ward. She's the head of donor services at the South African Bone Marrow Registry. And, of course, uh, she's sharing with us the impact of this pandemic on the work that they're engaged in. Now, Jane, you've outlined exactly, you know, what sort of um, areas you guys help to treat. Um, so talk to us about the strain that you felt um, during this time. Um, well, the strain that we felt was more because we normally bring in fresh product from overseas mm. and give fresh product, but with obviously with the restrictions with regards to no passenger, we've had to find other ways of ensuring that our patients still get the life-saving um, treatment that they deserve. So we actually have resorted to cryopreserving the product in the donor's country and then shipping it via cargo flights because those are still running in and out of the country. So it, it is quite expensive um, um, procedure compared to doing a fresh product. Um, and as we are a non-profit organization, mm. we rely heavily on financial donations. And sure. we also don't receive any funding from the government. If anyone is willing to donate, they're more than welcome to go to our website and mm. donate, even if it's 30 rand, sure. um, because it goes a long way to assisting patients in need. And um, just uh, speaking about those difficulties during this time, what are the odds of a patient um, in desperate need of of a match um, getting one at this uh, um, strange time? Um, It's still very possible. Mm. It might seem impossible, but Mm. it's still very possible. We just have more hurdles to go through before we can find that match, Um, which is why register within our own country because it's easier for us to do this within South Africa than it is potentially from getting a donor from Germany or the USA um, um, and all of that. So, yes, mm-hmm. so we, which is why we are having this call that's starting from July, mm-hmm. encouraging people to join the registry because for us to be an effective registry, um, we would need 100,000 donors sure. from each ethnic group for us to be effective within our own country. Mm. So how exactly do people do that? Talk to us about that. So um, if you would like to join the registry, you can go to our website, um, um, uh, za, and uh, the tab Become a Donor, or you can contact us on 21 Double four seven eight six three eight, or you can even email us on donors at sabmr.co.za. Um, it's a simple process. You can do it in the comfort of your own home if you go to our website. Um, no call center needs to be involved. You fill out a short survey. We then send you an application form. Um, once that application form mm-hmm. is completed, we then will then distribute a buckle swab kit to you in your home or refer you to one of our depots that have our kits. It's a simple cheek swab, very invasive. We will mm. then organize for that collection of the buckle swab. Yeah. And you get tested and we'll put it on our registry. And uh, your website, the address there? Um, the website is um, www.sabmr.co.za <laughs> okay. um, and become a donor. That was Jane Ward, Head of Donor Services at the South African Bone Marrow Registry, on the line speaking to Zikonomiso.
across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. There's nothing good about alcohol. Alcohol is destructive. Alcohol destroys families. Alcohol destroys life. Alcohol contributes to unprotected sex and spreading of diseases. Alcohol contributes to domestic violence, abuse of children and women. Channel Africa. In each and every one of us, there, there is a purpose and grace. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that purpose. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to, to live your life, life by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by design, design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African perspective. perspective. It's 7.41 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The COVID-19 pandemic has created profound disruptions to the South African economy, with the small, medium and micro enterprises suffering the most. Millions of jobs are at risk because of the lockdown and even big business owners have had to change their business approach to survive these uncertain times. For more on how businesses can create better continuity plans to mitigate the current economic crisis and ensure their survival, we are now joined on the line by Anno Murray, business mentor to SMMEs and MD of Innovative Staffing Solutions. Anno, good morning and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Anno. Now, firstly... What can businesses do to survive this crisis brought on by this pandemic? Well, there's so many things that need to be done. We need to strategize better and how to do cost saving, find more effective ways of working around the epidemic that we have at the moment. Um, We have to change our business models. We have to rethink business as a norm because we've been so used to doing business in a certain way with certain standards, with certain uh, procedures and so forth, that um, this came to such a large shock that people are now struggling to adapt to a new way of doing business. Now, you say one of the quickest financial wins that businesses can uh, capitalize on during this economic crisis is to cut out unnecessary expenditure. Tell us more about that. Well, a lot of companies have started working from home. Um, it, it cuts out a bit of expenditure, but it also makes a managerial problem that, uh, that, that we face and ensure that we're still uh, operating at our optimal rate. Um, there's, there's so many ways to, to do this. You can look at new marketing platforms. Uh, you can look at new financial systems. Uh, you can look at outsourcing, which is a great method of, of casting, uh, cutting, uh, casting costs and um, still having great managerial uh, systems in place. So there's many options available out there, and that's what I want to do with this program. I want to mentor companies to basically do what I did. I started a company with a laptop and 500 rand about 10 years ago. Today it's a multi-billion rand uh, group and it's a, a nationally and internationally recognized brand. Now, how do companies, um, you know, work around um, retrenching workers as a, a solution to keeping their businesses alive? The point is we should not be retrenching workers. Employment is so important uh, to uh, create a problem of uh, unemployment only worsens the problem at the end of the day. There's better ways of doing this. For instance, um, one of my company's innovative staffing solutions, people can actually outsource their employees to us so that when they do get into that problem, we have enough clients that we can actually move employees from one site to another and ensure that they keep keep their jobs uh, as, as they used to. 
And how important is, uh, you know, crucial is uh, the digitization of a company's offerings, especially um, during a crisis such as uh, the, the globe is dealing with? Well, it depends from product to product. Um, some products can be digitized very easily and um, can can work that way. Other companies just have to find better ways to get a, a digital footprint to actually bring people to still use their products as they used to. And this is what this program of mine is all about, is to actually teach business owners, whether it's a small, medium, large business, to actually use new systems, systems that we've tried and tested over over years, and, and start implementing that into their companies. Anna, how do you see South African businesses uh, just working through the next few months uh, with regards to just looking at the restrictions and, uh, you know, the, the number of people who are still working from home who are able to? What about the businesses that are not able to do that? Well, even in those businesses, we have to find ways for them to work through these terms. Um, there's always a way if you just plan your strategy correctly. Um, you have to take your company, basically, uh, uh, excuse the pun now, but rip the entire company apart and start replanning everything you do. And like I said, this is what this entire program of mine is about. I want business owners to to consultate with me and to find ways like we have done for so many of our clients so far and uh, what we've done in the market ourselves. Arno, thank you so much for joining us. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much. That's Arno Murray, a business mentor to SMMEs and MD of Innovative Staffing Solutions, joining us on the line. For the latest update on the novel coronavirus or COVID-19, for Channel Africa, I'm Arthur Skopo in Lusaka, Zambia. If you develop fever, cough, and difficult breathing, seek medical advice promptly, as this may be due to a respiratory infection or other serious condition. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLE to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussion have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. National Coronavirus Command Council has decided to enforce a nationwide lockdown. A global pandemic, COVID-19. Several countries have scaled up their responses and put in place strict controls, including South Africa. Channel Africa Broadcasting from South Africa will continue to bring you news and current affairs during this period whereby a 21-day lockdown is effective. We will keep you updated and informed during this period as we bring you news and current affairs from an African perspective. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. We call upon church leaders to really cooperate with government. It is the church which can help us to stop this crisis. The church should not contribute to this crisis negatively. We are calling upon our church leaders to listen to our premiers, our mayors, and the president. Let's work together to reduce the spread of this uh, virus. South Africa, it is possible. We are here because 
Unity of purpose is necessary. Channel Africa. It's 7.50 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Luhoko. Thanks, Lulu, and good morning. The South African Power Utility, ESCOM, will continue with the Stage 2 load shedding from this morning at 9 o'clock Central African time. The Power Utility says that there will be no load shedding during the rush hour in the morning. ESCOM spokesperson Sikonati Manjaja says despite efforts to return additional generation units to service after last week's breakdowns, they have not made sufficient progress to suspend load shedding. While ESCOM teams are working round the clock to return generation units to service, the severely constrained generation system will most likely persist through the coming week. ESCOM requests the public to help reduce electricity usage in order to lessen the impact of load shedding. Implementing load shedding is necessary in order to replenish the emergency generation reserves to better prepare for the coming week. Tributes are pouring in for former South African Power Utility ESCOM CEO Dr. Ian McGrath, who died on a Sunday at the age of 90. He led the power utility from 1985 to 1994, and most of the power stations that the country has today were built under his management. McGray started his career at ASCOM in 1947 as an apprentice fitter and worked his way up. When he retired from ASCOM in 1994, he became chairperson of the National Electricity Regulator, chairman of the Southern African Development through Electricity, and honorary Vice President of the South African National Energy Association. Eskom CEO Andre Dereta. It saddens me to have to announce the death of Dr. Ian McRae. Dr. McRae worked his way up to become the first CEO of the National Electricity Regulator, the CEO and first chairman of Eskom. Uh, during which time he made an enormous and transformational impact on the South African energy industry. The South African government is on course to provide a funding commitment for the restructuring of loss-making South African airways. The Department of Public Enterprises will ease concerns at the airline after the Finance Ministry told lawmakers last week it would not provide any new money. SAA's creditors are due to meet on the 14th of July to vote on a restructuring plan that envisages scaling back the airline's fleet and shedding jobs but requires at least 592 million US dollars of new funds to work. The South African Rand has recovered in afternoon trade on Friday after sliding earlier due to concerns about rising COVID-19 cases both at home and abroad. Market economists at ETM Analytics says that given all the uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus pandemic and global economic recovery prospects, market sentiment continues to switch between risk-on and risk-off in a matter of seconds. They say if the market bought into the economic growth optimism and recovery narrative, it wouldn't be hedging its bets with gold purchases. The Democratic Republic of Congo's central bank has kept its 2020 economic growth forecast unchanged at minus 2.4% because of the uncertainty over the COVID-19 pandemic. The central bank says that the situation has contributed to weakening growth prospects both globally and regionally. Indicators at the SAWA. The U.S. dollar is trading at 386.41, Nigerian Nara, 11.48, Botswana Pula, 106.22, Kenyan Shilling, and 18.11, Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, we'll start in Brazil. One U.S. dollar will cost you 5 real 32. In Russia, 70 rubles, 90 rather 69. In India, 74 rupees 85. In China, a dollar is changing hands at 7 yuan. And in South Africa, it will cost you 
16 rand 74. The US dollar is also trading at 79 pence to the British pound and at 88 cents to the euro. Gold 1,804 dollars, platinum 832 dollars per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is a 42 dollars 53 cents a barrel. Africa continues to rise and shine. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Luanda Maume, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.co.za or WhatsApp on plus 277 Tweet us at Channel Africa 1. And taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Stars by Zola. I'm gonna shine in the dark like the stars of Sugu. Feel all danger and young Sugu. Moba, bonga bonga la bar pasikasi. Tando lugaga ntuele na me ama. Shine in the dark like the stars of Sugu. Feel all danger and young Sugu. Moba, bonga la po we no tate kona. Just a little boy, much a big and little. Big and bala lengo mango bangbonga my friends. But here I'm a city, no ma bang in the next. Some of them are poor, but now I'm not best, but they come to my show, they go to my rest. But they like you, Jano, baby, what's next? These are my people, they're living in the sheds. If I was president, I'd make you prominent, but in the quiet, where do you go to Tando? Where do you go to When I pass every day, babangi rasi. I don't mind that, moba vele nyazi. Payase ya mikari itiliga masuiti. Usbuwe chiskop was my classmate, 93, 94. Life was not great. Mandosa wang tekisa watching tenge zaza. Ubuse ngenzi life ibe ngono gumama. I'm gonna shine the dark and the stars of sugu. Feel all day, jenge nyon se sugu. Moba, bonga bonge la bar pasikasi. Tando lungaga mtuele na ame ama. Shine the dark and the stars of sugu. But in the industry, but Alagunami, Brown Dash General, Nale Totu Paputi, they look after me, Mang Saint Winnie. I can never forget the Godfather Tiki Tiki. This is lollipop, rest in peace, Pinsia Kazi. They won't get up a fana, I'm a push on my demo. Nayang and Duana, who you future a quieto. Shoes Nangi Konam Sawatoli record deal. Push on fana, Mobi Tamal Pegewena. Keep it against us in Lindy Lebafana. Do me not forget last Puma corner. Bravo Ukulila, no proud to mama. It feels like yesterday's performance doctor. Brick Sassi Konam Sawbegi, old lady. Queen and daughter, Kayaba Pegewena. I'm gonna shine in the dark. Stars of Sugu, all day, young and young, says Sugu, Moba, Bonga Bonga, 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 Bonga
Mama was in the shoe,